You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and welcome to my new podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. Today, we are speaking with actress and writer Ashley Griffin. Hi, Ashley. Hey, Adam. How are you? Good. I'm so excited that we're getting to do this. Um, We have so much to talk about, so why don't we just jump right in? Sure. That sounds great. First of all, you have... Uh, an off-Broadway play called Trial. My show had um, a very successful run off-Broadway at the American Theater of Actors last year. And since then, there's been a lot of development. We did um, a reading presentation at the Tillis Center, and we're in talks about next steps with the piece. But there's hopefully some exciting things in the works with it. Um, And director Lori Petty and I won a big award for it, and I got a county commendation for the piece a couple months ago, which was really amazing. So, yeah, so lots of good things in the works for it. So this show, Trial, um, it's uh, it's based on a true story, yes. and um, it's uh, a, a play about a survivor of sexual abuse. Well, it's which more. Is- it's more complicated than that. I feel like that's that's what a lot of people have seen about it because um, of a lot of the conversations around it, and we've been partnering with um, the wonderful Well Life Network on it. So the play, it's. It's not about sexual trauma. The play, although it deals with those themes, it's about the complex nature of forgiveness and justice versus mercy. Um, So the play takes place in a sort of Kafka-esque corporate afterlife where a young woman has been waiting for 12 years for her paperwork to go through the corporate bureaucracy so she can move on. Um, She died when she was 15. And she's approached by somebody from upper management who tells her the man who was indirectly responsible for her death has just died and the state of his soul is in question. And she has to serve as judge and jury to determine what happens to him. So the crux of the play takes place in the sort of afterlife courtroom where the evidence is reliving scenes, our town style. Mm-hmm. And it it really deals with um, with justice versus forgiveness and that that's a very complex issue what did you like learn about yourself or or the process that you went through to heal from writing the show oh goodness that's also a complicated question well i i'm i wrote the play in nine days i'm a very fast writer so this wasn't necessarily a piece that i was sitting with for years and years that was a long process it was sort of the culmination of everything i'd been going through expressed and it was Um, I think the most cathartic in the sense of sort of publicly stating it in a way, although there's, there's a lot of fiction wrapped up in the piece obviously as well. Um, but it is based on a true story significantly. So yeah, it, it continued my process. It's what I think one of the biggest things is it's what allowed me to start speaking out about it publicly. Um, because it's not something that I really talked about before, not necessarily because I didn't want to or was uncomfortable, but I have found throughout my life that other people are very often uncomfortable and and don't want to hear about it. Um, So it was sort of a reclaiming of my voice and my story in a way, and that's what was really powerful about it. And um, I think obviously we create art partially for ourselves, certainly, that's what we all do, but I think that it has to be for other people Mm -hmm. significantly. And so a lot of the creation of it was not so much about me and my process and what I wanted to do for me, it was what is the story, what's the story that needs to be told and what's the gift that maybe I can give to others through it. 
That's wonderful. So now I, I have to ask, what has it been like to work with Lori Petty? Lori is wonderful. Um, she's so great. I'm picturing her listening to this right now and, and laughing. Um, but I've been a fan of Lori's for a very long time, as many, many people have been, obviously, and she's been very inspirational to me. Um, the thing that brought about us working together on this was I discovered her wonderful film, The Poker House, which I highly recommend everybody go out and watch. It was her directorial debut. It was She also kind of discovered Jennifer Lawrence and Chloe Grace Moretz in a way. Um, I think it was Jennifer Lawrence's first film. And what trial is for me, The Poker House was for her. Mm-hmm. And it was it's, it's, it's just an incredible film anyway, but at the end it also says that it's her story. And I had never knowingly, I'm sure I have because statistically I met many people, um, but I had never knowingly met somebody else who had gone through something somewhat akin to what I did, not necessarily in um, individual instances, like the specifics of our story, but the essence of it. And I'd also never seen real art that was dealing with this. Like I, I, there aren't really other commercial plays or films and stuff that really are delving into this issue. So I just took a chance and wrote to her reps with the script and was like, Hey, you don't know who I am. This is who I am. I swear I'm not crazy. And this is why I feel like you would be a great fit for this piece. And like two weeks later, I got a call from her and we met and we just, we really hit it off. We just hit it off as artists and as people. And we have a lot in common and she's brilliant to work with. She's a phenomenal, we all know what a phenomenal actress she is, but she's a phenomenal director. She's great at working with people. Um, she has a great vision um, and she's just a lovely spirit. So um, they say you should never meet your heroes, but I think that you absolutely should if they're like Lori Petty. Um, and if anybody has the opportunity to work with her in any capacity, please do so. She's she's wonderful. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we look forward to hearing what further developments come with the show and uh, hopefully another run somewhere would yes, be terrific. Be yeah. So you have another play that's getting a reading in October called Shadowlands. Yeah, the, the, uh, the Shadowlands. Not the to be, Shadowlands. Not to be confused with another play in existence called Shadowlands. Yeah. The the is very important. That is very important. (laughs) Yes, yes. We don't want to think you're plagiarizing anything. (laughs) So, The Shadowlands. Yes. Um, What can you tell us about the show? What can you tell us about the upcoming reading? Sure. Um, The Shadowlands is, wow. Um, It's a big big piece. Um, It was as I just said, I'm a very fast writer. Like I write most things in like nine days. It took me a year to write the Shadowlands. And I started writing it because, um, a very, very dear, I started writing it the day after the Orlando shooting. Um, obviously that impacted many people. Um, one of my dearest friends was very, um, impacted by that. And I remember speaking to them the day afterward and I had all these things that I wanted to say about not just that, but you know, we were dealing with you know, the rise of Trump and all that, and just what it meant to be a human being living in our world today. And I just, all the things that I had in me, I couldn't get out in like a sentence. And so I wrote this play for them. Um, and it's been described as if Lewis Carroll wrote Angels in America. It opens the day after the Orlando shooting. It spans, um, about three years, it goes into the the future of where we are now. 
and it plays with time, it plays with historical events, but basically it follows Matt, who's a young man who loses his partner in the Orlando shooting, and his best friend, this girl named Cassandra, who's aptly named, and you're not quite sure if she's a little crazy or a little bit of a prophet. And Matt go, kind of goes off the deep end, and his life intersects with three groups of extremists, a group of right-wing politicians, a Democrat, um, po not Democrat specifically, but a liberal who kind of goes off the deep end, and a group of Middle Eastern terrorists. And um, by the end of the piece, only one person is left alive. It sort of asks the question, what would happen if the extremists won? Like, if the only people left alive were people who completely agreed with you. Um, but also just what it means to be a human being today and about the nature of love and the importance of it. And it's it's a heavy piece. It's a big piece. It's structured like the ferryman, so it's three acts with two intermissions. Oh, okay. Um, it had development at La Mama, and it's about to have a very big reading. Um, we're aiming at the end of October. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. You also have two other plays that you're working on, uh, Peculiar Creatures uh -huh. and The Opposite of Love. Yeah. Um, what, what do you want to tell us about those shows? Sure. Um, Peculiar Creatures. So y you're familiar with my play Snow, and I sort of feel like, well, Peculiar Creatures and Opposite of Love I wrote together right after I'd finished. So Trial Snow and Shadowlands feel like a trilogy I didn't realize I was writing. They're not connected by plot in any way, but thematically they, they revolve around similar ideas. Um, and I wrote Peculiar Creatures and the Opposite of Love sort of immediately after writing, finishing those three plays, um, partially as an intellectual exercise where I realized that my niche really is magical realism and heightened language. So I'm like, great, let's take those away um, and work outside your comfort zone. So Peculiar Creatures kind of jumps the shark on magical realism and goes full surreal. And one of the characters doesn't speak at all. And so technically a lot of it came out of, um, I'm also a dancer and I found wonderful physical moments in shows and wondering how I can use that vocabulary. The Opposite of Love technically came out of, um, I, 99% of what I see coming out of writing programs are a bunch of like 20 something sitting around drinking, kind of talking about nothing in real time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the biggest fan in general of that. And I'm like, great, you can't not be a fan of a genre of play. So you need to write one. Mm -hmm. So The Opposite of Love, it, it takes place completely in real time. There's no magical realism. There's no heightened language. Um, and so they're both very out of my comfort zone in a way. 
um, peculiar creatures we've been developing. I've been the artist in residence of the Axis Theatre Company for the past year. Mm -hmm. And Peculiar Creatures is a surrealist play that revolves around an adult brother and sister who, um, when sister was eight and brother was about 18, they experienced a very traumatic incident um, after which sister stopped speaking completely. And they are each other's entire world. They don't interact with anybody else. They're literally everything to each other. Um, she has a, a physical language that she's created that's somewhere between sign language dance um, and sort of idioglossic twin speak um, that brother can speak to her with as well. And then their lives are upended when a stranger shows up. So we've been developing that for the past year. Um, in association with Jeffrey Denman, who's amazing, and I've been working closely with Mick Blyer. Um, and we've literally created this vocabulary because this isn't something you can just find a couple gestures with. We needed to be able to fully communicate with it. Um, so we've been developing that. And that is at now, as, as this moment, sort of slated to talk about going into production in the spring. And the opposite of love has been described as if Pretty Woman was a Black Mirror episode sans tech. So there's not a ton I can say without giving away the twist at the end, mm -hmm. um, but basically it's about uh, not a, not a social a trust a female trust fund baby mm -hmm. who's in grad school and she has experienced trauma in her life and in an attempt to quote unquote get over it so she can be normal she hires um, a male escort to just sort of help her you know get over losing her virginity and the encounter does not go terribly well. And he realizing that she's kind of a cash cow convinces her to become one of his regular clients so he can come back every week and they can just talk about whatever, um, knowing he's gonna be making bank off of it. So the crux of it is them having conversations about in today's world, what it means, what intimacy means, what love means, um, what relationships mean. And then there's a, darker twist that happens at the end. And Neil Gooding has signed on to produce and direct it, um, who runs Gooding Productions. They're the organization that brings most of the Broadway shows to Australia, and he's done some really incredible work. Um, so we're in talks. We're in the beginning talks about when that's going to go up. Um, you also have a podcast yes. uh, called Stage Directions. I do. How did you start it? What what what, um, what do you like about it? I was approached by Chris Peterson, who runs the Onstage Network, who they're amazing. I think there was some recent poll that they're like one of the top five theater sites like in the world or something wow. now. And they do a lot of great stuff. And he was a fan of what I did and asked me to start this podcast. And I'm sort of being billed as the theatrical Hermione Granger, which I think is hilariously appropriate, given that the teachers at NYU used to call me that. <laughs> Not necessarily always in a nice way, um, but I have sort of an eclectic knowledge and I've taught at NYU and so the podcast is sort of spanning the things about theater specifically that you always wanted to ask or didn't know you didn't know and it's sort of a combination between my talking about things such as I think the, the first one was about the dichotomy between critical and audience reception in contemporary theater and what that means mm -hmm. um, and then I also interview lovely smart people about stuff. I did a, a great interview with Broadway star Sarah Jean Ford. Sarah Ford. Technically, she's Sarah Jean Ford. She's trying desperately to get rid of the gene. If anyone knows of Sarah Jean Ford in equity, please give me a call. Um, or Sarah Ford in equity so that she could possibly buy her name back. Um, and it's it's been it's been really fun and gives me an opportunity to sort of just be a, a, a nerd and let my theater nerdiness 
out and shine. <laughs> I always end my inter- my podcast. I'm not gonna say all my interviews, but yes. for the podcast, I'm yes. ending all of them with this question, and it plays on the title of "Burying It All with Call Me Adam." Mm-hmm. So if you were to bear, if you were to bear it all, what is one detail about yourself that you would reveal that you have not told yet? That's a great question. Um, I'm synesthetic, which I don't know if many people know what that is. No. Um, I'm a synesthete. It's it's a thing where it means that the basically senses in your brain kind of get mixed up and there's like tons of different kinds you can have, but it means that maybe when you hear a sound color gets activated or whatnot. And I have 12 different kinds of it, which can be a little overwhelming, but I've sort of learned how to harness. Um, and so one of the things it's very difficult sometimes to quiet my mind because of all the sort of sensory input. So one of the things that actually kind of, calms me and lets me focus a little bit is um, conducting to really complicated music Mm. um, because it sort of distracts all of my senses. So I I like to find pieces of music that have a lot of like changes in time signature and stuff and I'll just listen to it and kind of conduct through it. It's sort of, I guess the closest that I would get to doing math for fun, (laughs) if that makes any sense. But yeah, and then I'm, I'm synesthetic and have lots of different kinds of synesthesia so i love it that is definitely something that i did not know about you so yeah. that's perfect awesome well thank you so much um thank you for having me and thank you for being them. such a supporter of me oh like God, over all course. the years like we first met during the twilight yes, musical yes. so thank you You're so welcome. much for everything and um tell all the listeners where they can find you on the social media sure well my website is ashleygriffinofficial.com um griff Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. Yes, Griffin, like Gryffindor. Um, AshleyGriffinOfficial.com, because AshleyGriffin.com is owned by a five-year-old who would not sell me the domain name. So I took a page out of Emma Watson's book and became Ashley Griffin Official. Um, on, I am on Facebook as Ashley Griffin Official. I'm on Instagram as Ashley Griffin Official. And I'm on Twitter as Ashley J. Griffin. Terrific. Yeah, so come stalk me. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Everybody will. Don't stalk her, but yeah. do follow her. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, made for the business of show. Callmeadam.com. Thanks for listening. For more Call Me Adam interviews, visit callmeadam.com and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at callmeadamnyc. Get moving in the most electrifying Honda vehicles yet, like the CRV and Accord, with available hybrid powertrains designed for more responsive performance. Honda, the 2022 Kelly Blue Books KBB.com Best Value Brand. For a limited time, well-qualified buyers can get a 3.9% APR on a 2023 Honda CRV Hybrid or 2023 Accord Hybrid. For great deals, visit your Dakota Land Honda dealer today. See dealer for financing details based on 2022 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information.